Welcome to Arts for the Health of It, a podcast where you will discover creative ways to improve your health and well-being. Someone may have told you that art isn't for you, but they were wrong. Anyone can create arts for the health of it. No talent or experience necessary. I'm just a little songbird. Try to fly my way homeward with the melody and I make the beat. Don't know where it'll take me, take me. Cause when I'm in the dark of night, I sing my way back to the light. Come along with me and your heart will see that a song changes everything. everyone welcome to arts for the health of it i'm your host richard wilmore and i am your host constanza roter we love getting the perspective of different people and their relationship with the arts and how it's impacted their health and we had the privilege of talking to federica bresan who is in italy um, and is italian uh she's a scientist and she's a musician and she said she, she says that music saved her life and she has just this fascinating story about how music was kind of her saving grace at, through a difficult childhood and her youth um, and then the process of studying music in college for a while um, and then having to kind of rediscover her expressive artistic self and she kind of found that when she kind of stepped away from performing um and just kind of started doing it for herself anyway it was just a fascinating talk today yeah i have been asked about my work at hearts and yard often and i always say that i think it saved my life and i didn't realize i had no idea what arts and health was before i came here and then it hit me like yeah totally it completely saved my life like mm. I, I it's so um it's it's always fascinating to me that like I didn't even know and my whole my entire life was the arts and I didn't even know what it was doing until I met you uh, and I was like oh yeah that makes complete sense so when when she wrote that I was like yeah that's totally relatable because it does and not everybody I think gets it that it it, it can actually do that mm. yeah yeah, and she has some really um, interesting views about music education. <laughs> it's interesting hearing the similarities uh, between academic music education in Italy and what I experienced um, here in the United States in my music degree. And things have changed a lot over the last, um, wow, gosh, how long since I had my degree? I don't know, last 10, 10 15 we'll years. years. So. We'll say five years. We'll say five years. Last five years has been an explosion. Of, anyway, um, but there's still some deeply entrenched held beliefs that I think keep us from really enjoying um, music to its full potential and really honoring the reason why we have music in the first place. And it kind of mm-hmm. sometimes just becomes an academic pursuit, um, which like academic pursuit of music and really understanding and analyzing music, I think is fine. As long as it, as long as we protect um, the core, the whole reason why we have music in the first place. So anyway, I also just heard, perspective. yeah, 
I also just remember we have talked a couple times on the podcast about the beginning of the pandemic and when everyone in Italy was out on their balconies yeah. playing music and singing and um, our observation of that. And she has a really good observation about that too, that I thought was interesting. <laughs> You'll um, have to listen for that. Yes. So <laughs> fast forward to that part and um, see her take on that. Cause she wasn't even <laughs> there when it happened, but her hey, and her spoilers. Friends, yeah, <laughs> it was interesting. I was like, it Oh was yeah, that's, I never thought of that. Cause I was just taking it in, not, wasn't happening next to me so yep anyway uh we'll get into it she is an italian and slovenian digital nomad who's who just turned 40 this year and she is starting her third career in communication she's a podcaster and conducts video interviews on science and technology on youtube previously she worked as a musician and an academic researcher her research revolving around audio music and sound recordings she plays several instruments and she's currently learning the electric guitar and no question about it, music has saved her life many times. So here, that's probably my arm right in front of everyone. Here is our interview. Enjoy. Take a listen. Whether you consider yourself a musician or not, music is all around us and it affects our everyday lives. Whether it's background music influencing our shopping habits in a store, organ music adding the vibe to a baseball game, or a playlist convincing us to keep going on that last mile of a run. I'm Mindy Peterson, host of the podcast Enhance Life with Music, where we take a holistic look at the power of music in our everyday lives through the lens of science and health, sports and entertainment, business and education. You can find me and Enhance Life with Music at mpetersonmusic.com slash podcast or wherever you get your audio. Unleash the power of music. I want to start, though, with something that you put in your pre-interview form that music saved my life. And I read that and I thought, I say that oftentimes about the job that I have with Hearts Need Art, who produces this podcast, that it literally saved my life. And I wanted to start there with you if you wanted to kind of go down that road of of why it did and you probably know like how it did. Right. I think that it's a statement that many people can relate to, but how it saves you, it's personal, right? So for me, um, it's. I think that the answer, to say that is very easy, music saved my life, but to explain it is really difficult. Mm. Something that comes to mind right away is that during tough years, and that would be especially during my teen years first and then the early 20s, I was, um, well, having it rough, family problems, health issues, and music caught my attention so powerfully, and I started obsessing with it. So I will admit that I had an abnormal interest for music. I would do it all the time. I would listen to it all the time, and I would just do it all the time, which doesn't mean that I was good in the least. I would just do it mm. and so it's through this initially this form of obsession that is my focus my only focus that it helped me block out the other things when it was too much to take or anyway to ease the mind from even reality so if you want there is a component that is not super healthy in there it mm. just music took me to another 
world, another dimension where I felt better. So that is the first thing that would come to mind when I say that it saved my life. It it was my only companion through many years, many days, many nights where I don't know what else I would have done. Hmm. Yeah. And that that's an interesting point that it can be, you know, there was maybe an unhealthy component in there. But I think when we're going through tough times, whatever we do to survive that, I think is courage is courageous and is, um, oh, yeah. and is worthy. And then once you get on the other side, you can come maybe untangle things and maybe fix your relationship with whatever it was that you were leaning on, which for you, it was music. Um, and it seems like you did, you went on to study music in school, correct? I did. Um, I studied, well, I started piano when I was five years old and then I dropped out and then I started again when I was a teenager because I was interested in playing songs, you know, pop music, like songs, not Mm -hmm. classical repertoire. (laughs) And I also studied singing. But the thing is that coming from a small town and in those years, we're in the mid 90s here, you couldn't go to any school to study pop music or musical theater. So when you wanted some vocal training, you typically would study with a soprano or a tenor. And for any instrument, the repertoire would be the classical one. So you could not study the electric guitar or drums in any school. So I ended up studying with a tenor. Some um, He was my vocal coach for many years and the piano. Um, but then luckily I, through a friend, I met a very good jazz musician and I connected with him and he just opened a whole new world to me. And that was when I was almost done with high school. So first of all, I was torn between engineering and musicology, two very different choices. Mm -hmm. And I ended up choosing musicology. um, I say mostly because it was in my city. Whereas to study engineering, I would have had to move to another city. And it was not obvious that my family could support me. And it would have just been a different life. So because I had my piano, you know, I was a piano player. You don't take your instrument with you anywhere Mm. you want. So I decided to stay at home because I wanted to do music. And I studied musicology. That is my bachelor's degree and my master's degree, music and musicology. And also uh, I was studying jazz on the side. Uh, I didn't complete that program. It doesn't matter. The only program that I completed in my life, if you want to talk, you know, titles and degrees, (laughs) would be opera singing, which is very ironic because it's not my strong point. But that's the one, you know, uh, program that I completed. So I have a degree in opera singing. And music was just all my life. I was writing my own songs. I was, you can really say that I was completely obsessed with it. Mm. And I like to stress that doesn't mean that my talent equaled or matched my passion. Mm. Um, But, you know, in retrospect, it's between cute and pathetic, because that's a big (laughs) thing. (laughs) It doesn't seem like that. that It doesn't doesn't sound like that dampened your joy of enjoying but that's the that's a huge point you know whatever I wanted to be a musician in life and I did for a couple of years and then I admitted defeat and I found another job and I was lucky enough to start a career in academia so all is well what ends well but there's a big point there 
about music and how it can save your life is that you don't need to be good. Mm. Music is there for everyone, mm. everyone in your dark moment or in your happy time. If you want to turn to music as a listener or even better, as someone who wants to learn an instrument or knows how to play an instrument and you start playing, you don't need to be good. I mean, I don't know why this realization hit me so deeply. I've always known it, but it came back to me probably a few months or weeks ago because I started a new instrument. I picked up the electric guitar oh, in awesome. March. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. And I am not good yet, although I'm progressing rapidly. I enjoy it very much, but of course I'm not good. And I probably one evening, maybe I was a bit low, just the comfort, the solace and the sheer joy of producing those sounds uh, were just it. Just the rest didn't matter as much anymore. I thought this is so, especially it depends on the tunes. I remember what song caused that reaction it was spiritual. Mm. on Beyond the Missouri Sky with Pat Metini. Mm. Uh, it's so beautiful. And I was playing on the guitar, the double bass part. Da, 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 da. And it's so beautiful that it brought tears to my eyes. And I mm. said, you know, I may be playing five notes a minute, but they are so beautiful. And in that moment, I thought more people should play instruments. More people should listen to music, not just in the background, but actively. Mm. Like, uh, I know it's beautiful that we have recording technology and it's fantastic that we can listen to music everywhere, but we did lose a little something, mm. I think. Mm. More people should play, I mm. think. I want to dig more into what musicology is, but first I kind of want to follow this, this trail we're on because you do have some strong opinions about music education and how there might need to be reform in that area. Maybe to make, is it to maybe to make music more accessible? Well, I'll be very specific there. And I mean the education that I have received, which doesn't mean to, you know, I don't mean to talk about my teacher. I just want to talk about my cultural context in those years. Mm. I, I already explained that you couldn't study uh, how to sing like Whitney Houston anywhere or the electric guitar, that type of music. And what that comes with, and I'm critical of that, is that music was taught uh, very cerebrally, very intellectually. This is the theory and what you read on the score is the theory applied. And there were these men in the past who wrote that music, which you should play exactly as it is. <laughs> and and the rest, they didn't even disapprove of it. The rest doesn't exist. <laughs> and, you know, I believe my piano teacher, she was a lovely lady. I hate to say anything negative about her, but indeed... I feel that she didn't have music in her. If she, if, this is what this is something that my jazz teacher used to say, and he wasn't afraid of being of, of burning classical musicians. Sometimes <laughs> he said, "If you take the score away from a classical piano player, the piano becomes a piece of furniture." Mm. If you know what I mean, mm. and um, uh, there was no such thing as ear training. So music is just being literate 
in reading a score, which you have to execute as it is. There's no feeling, there's no liberty, there's no expression. Hmm. Um, and even if you don't want to express yourself in terms of I want to compose or play variations and what I want, I think that even when you interpret a classical piece, you should feel the music in a ways that I was just not taught to feel. Hmm. Now, I will add that some of my school fellows back then, children as I, for some reason, they went home and while watching cartoons on TV, they were naturally looking for the melody on the piano or on, on their instrument. And I don't know why they had that. And I didn't. They didn't take it from school. Mm. You know, it was not taught. So I'm critical of the education. I was not lucky enough to think that you can just hit keys that you want to hit. Although as a child, I did a lot. Okay, I improvised mm -hmm. a lot on the piano. I wrote symphonic poems on the oh. piano. I promise you, I can talk to you about two hours about what the story was. And it was technically was a symphonic poem because it was a story, but it was not without, it was without words and it was lasting a long time. It was going up and down, but year that was as a child where probably I had not completely lost my spontaneity, mm. but years and years later, I was blocked completely. I had no idea how to approach music mm. as in go, changing anything that wasn't the score. And it's, a um, little bit sad that I was buying scores to play songs that I was hearing on the radio and I would read them. I mean, it's fine. It's not sad, but it's sad in a way that even the songs on the radio that some are easier, some are harder, harmonically speaking, I just could not find them myself. And a friend of mine was just like me. She was probably even more cere cerebral than I was. And one day I wrote a piece of music, just a simple accompaniment and a melody in the right hand. And I called her on the phone. We just had the landline then. And I played it for her. I said, listen what I have done. And, you know, you put the phone close to the piano and I played it. And she asked me, how did you do it? So it's funny, but this is to let you know how blocked we were in terms mm. of the spontaneity, if I'm sorry, I'm pronouncing that word wrong in English, no, to, to make the music, to feel music, to tap your foot, to just go along with mm. the music. And, and so I'm critical of that because I believe that, it, well, it just blocked me. It just mm. did not cultivate was was there. It, it blocked me and to pick up the electric guitar this year, I'm 40, was a major achievement for me. I felt that I was ready, but I it still scared me. And I thought, well, then you should do it. If it scares you, it's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. I was afraid of how simple the chords and the harmony are. It's not simple to play the guitar, but certain riffs, they are intellectually simple, but they're great riffs. And also by the noise. It's not a beautiful sound, a pretty sound, which you always look for. This is also <laughs> something. You look for the beautiful sound as a singer and the right tone on the piano and the right tone on the violin, which I played for two years. I still love it. I think that should have been my instrument, but my parents just chose for me that I would play the piano. So mm -hmm. I then experimented with other instruments. And it's always about performing well doing something that is beautiful. And actually I had this met heavy metal revelation a few months ago, which I never thought I would have. And it just boom, opened up 
complete new world for me that I thought that's what I was missing. And mm -hmm. I in part was expressing the rage also and just a gut feeling in the music. And I picked up the guitar. I went and bought it before they announced the second lockdown here in Italy. And I started playing and I consciously went through this block that I was ready to overcome at that point, which was to play something very simple. Ga, 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 up and down with the distorted sound. It felt awesome, but it was so insultingly simple for someone who is <laughs> cerebral, if you know mm -hmm. what I mean. Wow. That it's I I um resonate with your story. I studied music and vocal performance here in the States and kind of similar um experience in academia. I mean a lot of um a lot of music schools from the United States brought in essentially the same thinking from from Italy and, and Germany and England and how music was taught in Europe. Um, and yeah, I, I got through school with kind of the sense of, like I knew how, like you said, to execute the score and interpret the the intentions of the composer and like it's a, and how I was even allowed to use my voice was kind of this narrow, mm -hmm. um, it was narrow. And really it was through through the work actually we do in the hospital and playing music for patients where it wasn't about like mm -hmm. making the most beautiful sound and interpreting a score wasn't the most important thing and also the patients I was working with wanted popular music they didn't want classical music so um so that was a that was a healing experience for me as a musician of really kind of getting back to the core of why we have music in the first place. Um, cause music can, you know, save our lives. And, but if we're just approaching it cerebrally, um, we're missing out on the, on the why in, in kind of a big way. And that's not to say that we shouldn't study music and that, um, the study of music is, is invalid, but if we're not connecting that with, you know, our spirits and expression, then like, what, what are we doing? <laughs> are we Absolutely. in an art form anymore? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm very glad you mentioned that setting with patients, with people who, yeah, don't care if you're a virtual yeah. so in that moment. No. They, they want connection. They want you to yeah. Tell them something through the music. I have two experiences related to that. And one is that I had a vocal um, quartet for a while. And because we put it together around Christmas, we just decided that we would sing Christmas carols. And uh, we lasted for two years, two Christmases in a row. And I organized a lot of concerts and many of them uh, were in um, elderly's homes. Mm. And I did not expect the, how I would feel going there and the response. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, uh, I'm, I cannot help being obsessed with being good when I perform something at all times. But there, it went away. I mean, I would do my best to be good just because uh, the best possible delivery would be for them, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and that was touching, definitely. Mm. And the other memory is similar, if you want. It's earlier, dates 
couple of years before then, when I knew that I had a crippling stage fright. Absolutely. And uh, I was singing in a choir and I was assigned a solo part for What a Wonderful World. In the front row, you would have all these people on the wheelchairs, many of them, you know, in sitting in strange positions because I'm, I'm skeptical to try and tell you what disease it was because I don't know the English name specifically, but okay. you get the point. <laughs> yes. And when my time came to sing that song, especially, you know, what a wonderful world. Mm -hmm. I came to the front and I was just surprised by the fact that I couldn't care less about my stage fright. I just felt that I was so lucky. Mm. Jesus, I, I still have almost tears telling you because um, it's bad to have stage fright and it's all fine. It's legitimate fears and insecurity, but there is one tiny way in which it's also a luxury mm. to feel like that. And so there I was standing and I felt that I was so lucky to be healthy and to stand on that side of the room. And I wanted to express what the lyrics meant as much as I could. And yeah, that just that feeling of saying, what are you afraid about? Why are you wasting your energies being scared? You're able, you can do this. Just, mm. just do it. What can happen? What's the worst thing that can happen? Mm. So, well, to this day, I have stage fright and I, underperform so I, I don't perform often I basically stopped performing about 10 years ago I interestingly had a gig recently because they asked me to do it and I accepted and I, I did but I still notice that you know as a public speaker as a researcher going to conferences no problem I can have a debate which is the equivalent of improvisation for me a presentation mm -hmm. with slides is a performed a rehearsed piece and a debate is a jam session. I can do that. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that comparison. That. Yeah. I, I'm just present intellectually. I'm not saying I'm the best. I know that I'm doing my best. Whatever mm -hmm. that best is, I know that I'm doing my best. Uh, years and years ago, uh, I was at the summer school uh, for jazz music. And I remember another, well, friend of mine who was there, who also sang, she was about to go on stage and she just begged the host not to ask her anything. And she delivered her song, but she was terrified to speak in public. And I'm like, I'm exactly the opposite. Like, <laughs> ask me anything, ask me anything. But when it's time to sing, I just melt. You know, oh, no. I, I cannot do it. I, I, I cannot do it. I mess up. And that day I thought, man, if this is just probably something someone can help only so much. It's just who you are. Hmm. So I, I thought that everybody had stayed right to some extent, but mine was way worse hmm. than the others I've met. So I said, so she should, should sing. My friend, probably I should speak. <laughs> or sing at home, you know, then you never give it up. I always sing at home. It's hard to shut me up, but I <laughs> lost that ambition and also the confidence probably to want to go and perform um, mm. unless probably, you know, if someone asked me to and the setting was meaningful, this is right. what I want to say, I would let them know that they are not hiring a professional musician or anything, but I would go and do my best with all my heart. Now I play the ukulele. I just expanded my music horizons. I 
play a couple of different instruments, except for the piano, because I move a lot and that's hard. Yeah, I hear you. That, or sorry, I keep asking no, questions. No. Richard? No, I was go. just going to say that I love that even though you you decided that performing publicly wasn't for you, that you still not only do it at home for yourself, but you continue to grow in all of the different like instruments that you're that you're playing. I think that's really cool that you haven't just been like, that's not me. So I'm going to step away and I'm not going to be a musician anymore. But you do it not for the presentation of it, but you do it for yourself. I think that's super cool. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think a lot of people during lockdown have kind of found found that yes. kind of assembled into music. And I wonder, you know, in the United States, we at the beginning of the pandemic, we saw so many images of Italy um, and and very movingly in particular, people singing out of their windows <laughs> at each other. Um, and I wonder if you um, could speak to that. Did you sing out of windows? Were you part of it? Were you in a video? <laughs> Is there a video of you on YouTube that we can play? Of course you had to ask, but I was in New York last year. When oh, you were? Hit. <laughs> I was. So you were seeing those same in- images with us. and I was. I was. Yeah. And then I was working there and my contract was terminated due to COVID. So I, indeed, I was sent back home to, to Europe at the end of March. Hmm. I spent three months there and then I went back to Belgium where I had been before going to the States. So now I'm back in Italy again. It's just, you know, I feel I need to move around due to COVID because it's hard. I didn't find a job in Belgium. It's hard to be here. It's hard to be there. So now I'm in Italy. I'm close to Rome, which is not where I come from. Uh, So I always say that it feels like being abroad to me a little bit. (laughs) Everything is new and I have never witnessed with my eyes, some somebody singing like that from balconies, mostly. And, you know, I have lots of musicians among my Facebook friends, for example, like lots and lots and lots and lots. And the average uh, opinion there is that uh, those concerts, no, they we disapprove of them. <laughs> I, I know. I don't I don't know. I don't know. Say all you want, but no. I and as can you imagine being in a lock no, I, I did not experience that. I would never you're in a lockdown and mm-hmm. maybe you live next to someone who because of the lockdown decided to try the trombone. Are you <laughs> kidding me? I was gonna ask that there's a downside started, to that. When you started talking about uh, the electric guitar. I was like, "Do you live in a home by your like? Do you have neighbors next to you?" And no, what, what's their uh, opinion? <laughs> this is the most isolated I have ever lived in my life. Right now, right here near Rome, of course, outside the city. I'm two hours drive from Rome, in a beautiful region, very green, lots of nature. I'm in the open countryside, and I finally found an isolated little house. Um, that has been my wish for ages. So I actually, not just that I enjoy playing, you have to see me when it's 11 p.m. or 2 in the morning. It's been also later than that. And I finish doing something on my computer and I just crank up the volume and I start playing the guitar. And I'm like, oh, yes. It's, <laughs> it's liberating. I mean, Ooh. volume has something to do with yeah. the the joy of playing this instrument. Oh, agreed. Oh, yeah. I'm loud. Yeah. But I would be very respectful if I lived 
close to neighbors. So, sure. Uh, sure. Well, I said mentioned earlier I wanted to get back to um, musicology because if if someone listening doesn't know what that is, how would you describe musicology? Well, musicology would be the academic study of music, and it's divided into main branches. Musicology is not music making, it's the study of music. And you can divide it in two main branches, which would be historical musicology and systematic musicology. So the first one, you know, studies history of music and, you know, how scores were written, the how scores were um, um, performance practice, um, old instruments, like anything you can imagine, um, lives of composers, like it's really endless. It's a mm. huge field. Uh, but the other one where I have also worked in, which where I mostly worked in, uh, deals with music and technology or the neurosciences and the study of how music uh, impacts, you know, our health or how we move or how we run, how we perform in sports. So there's lots of sensors and technology and data processing involved mm. to study music in all these applications that we have today. What was some of the most interesting or surprising things that you learned when you were studying musicology and the neuroscience and how it affects our, our bodies? Huh. Well, mostly at university, I studied historical musicology, I would say. And the most surprising thing, there must be one, but it was 20 years ago. Um, <laughs> the most surprising one. Well, I can tell you, I don't know why this comes first in mind. I maybe regret this answer later. But, <laughs> uh, I remember, well, two things, being extremely fascinated by, um, how do I know the words for that in English? Well, um uh, Gregorian paleography, so okay. Gregorian chants and how it was notated. That was super fascinating. And uh, we had a great teacher for that. And the other thing is that until I took the third course of history of music, which dealt with the 20th century, I had never heard of that type of, you know, um, research music or um, uh, experimental music, but in terms of Stockhausen and Luciano Berio, electronic music, not as in oots, 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 mm -hmm. but as in, you know, a cl normally classically trained composer that experiments um, with different, you know, for a while, post-tonality or technology. So synthesis, uh, mm -hmm. processing, and those things, I, it just eluded me completely. And that's what I ended up working with for the most part as a researcher mm. then. Because even as a researcher, music was a big part of my work because I dealt with the preservation of historical tape recordings, magnetic mm. tapes, open oh, real wow. tapes, um, opera um, at the Arena di Verona. So beautiful renditions of several operas. And then lots of electronic music, as in Stockhausen, etc. And um, also some linguistic surveys, so spoken word, speech. Mm. And I digitized some tapes where Kathy Barbarian was rehearsing in the studio and Luciano Berio was giving her directions. Like, I have listened to oh, wow. amazing things. That's super cool. Yeah. Go ahead, Richard. You uh, I was trying to unmute myself. There's all kinds of stuff happening here. <laughs> just, 
I don't know what's happening outside right now. Um, <laughs> you said before that your parents made you take um, the piano, right? To learn the piano. W did you come from a musical family or was that sort of forced onto you? And, and then I want to know like what their reaction was when you were like, this is what I want to do with my life. And they were like, oh. Mm. Um, well, okay, I wouldn't say that's a happy story, but I have the answer short. My mom picked the piano for me. I don't think that my father cared at all that I study music. And she wanted me to study the piano. Although they agreed that of all instruments, if I really had to study one, the piano would be the best because it like uh, makes both sides of your brain work. And they actually, it's very funny because I asked probably, you know, why the piano? And they said, Maybe even years later, I might have asked why the piano. And they said, because then if you have an accident, you have a severe injury and you cannot use like the right side of your body or the right side of your brain or something, then you will be able to use your left one. And I'm like, so that's the reason for me to go to <laughs> piano school. If I get a severe accident and get maimed, then, that's intense. you know. And second reason would be that my mom never um, uh, was... You know, she always repeated that she had wanted to study the piano when she mm. was little. So she sent me instead, which is this brilliant, you know, family <laughs> stories. Like, who says I should do it if you didn't? But uh, so the piano, it was. And indeed, at a music school, sometimes I was seeing uh, other children walking around with a case with something in it or I just knew for a fact that other children were not studying the piano and I would just be puzzled because I never had a choice I was just sure that music school equaled piano music is the piano that's the instrument and I was like mm. what are those other things that children play and why do they it's like does it come with birth like people just know what your instrument is <laughs> I was I was messed up all right <laughs> uh, my family was not musical not at all, not in the least. Uh, now, my mom passed away uh, 14 years ago, uh, mm. but my, uh, my, my dad is the least music-inclined person. As a matter of fact, I will just summarize that by telling you this anecdote. He once said, do you listen? He was hearing something in the distance. He said, there's like a noise of music. So music to him is... There is noise. There is a noise of music. It's noise. It's it's. What is this disturbance? That's so interesting. I think I even read the other day an article. I can't remember the name of the condition, but there are people that their brains interpret music as noise. Like they don't. They actually don't enjoy listening to music. Mm -hmm. Just like that. I wonder. Oh, that's so, that's very interesting. I'd never heard of that I before. Know. I think you kind of just assume that everyone enjoys music, but you know. Maybe your dad just didn't develop a taste for it. <laughs> yeah, who, who knows? He says that he true. He doesn't call it music, but that what he likes to listen to is sounds of nature, birds oh. chirping, the wind, the sea, the waves. You mm -hmm. know, that is pretty sounds to him. All the rest is just why are you doing it? He just doesn't get it. <laughs> yeah. No. So, so no, so no. And can you imagine, you also asked what they said when I announced that I wanted to do it for a living. I don't know that I ever announced it. I was just doing it through my teen years. I think that they just threw in the towel before <laughs> it was time to tell them anything. They were also separated. I grew up with my dad. The house was very big and I was living like in the attic. I had lots of space for myself. And uh, 
I, I was just singing the day away and the night away. And sometimes my dad would just scream from downstairs, you know, to, please stop, you know. That's, I think, where and the I, noise came in. It's 3 a.m., you in the attic making noise is what you're doing. <laughs> very possible very possible he just begged me to stop can't you go on tomorrow I'm like and you know fears because i had the passion like of no course. i must you know and i would go and sing in the basement or then when i had a driving license i would just jump on my car and drive somewhere in the middle of an hour and just sing there you know <laughs> That's stubborn. That's the best. I'm laughing because I it's I feel like my family could tell similar stories. I think any musician's family growing up could tell similar stories about. You know, I read Leonard Bernstein biography once, and of course, it's funny because you live similar things, but it's not to compare yourself to them. It's just you know. Um, then one night he stood up and went and played the piano and his father shouted at him and to stop, etc. And his answer that night playing the piano was, but dad, I have to. Mm. And that years and years and years later, his father recognized his son's talent. And of course, he, you know, he said, how could I know that Lenny would go on and become Leonard Bernstein? And he said, people will say that Beethoven had deafness and Bernstein had his father. Oh, <laughs> wow. That's, that's heavy. So yeah. for any parents out there that have aspiring musicians in your household, tread lightly. <laughs> Um, how can people best connect with you if they want to learn more about you, not book you for gigs because she's not doing that anymore. But <laughs> speaking though, she is yes, speaking. She does speak. Yeah. Um, so by thanking you for letting me speak about music today, indeed, I have a website where I present myself as a science communicator. I do video interviews on science and technology, which I host on my YouTube channel. So you can find me there too. I'm not sure you want me to kind of say the URLs. It's federicabrestan.com is the website, but if you just Google my name, that will be the easiest. Uh, so that's mostly what I do right now. You will easily find my social media or uh, my research page, which is still online because after all, it's... Um, um, just last year that I was working as a researcher. So I still have both profiles. I'm in mm. transition now. Um, but if you wanted to see me uh, performing even in a video, but there is something on my YouTube channel. It's all oh. very old stuff. There is something that it's old stuff. And I now started using my YouTube channel for this video interviews and more for my profession. And I felt bad about mixing the two. So I have tons of music videos on my YouTube channel, but they are private, actually. Mm. And um, yeah, I have mixed feelings about saying, you know, you don't miss anything if you don't see me because some things maybe are nice and why don't share them? It would be lovely. Mm. Um, so you find me nowhere as a musician, as me playing or what I play, how I play it. Um, I share my guitar progress with my Facebook friends, though, as, you know, private posts. It's not mm. public. But again, send me a friend request. <laughs> I, I shared I shared a little bit of Still Loving You by the Scorpions the other day. Oh, wow. Because I want to play music that sounds good on the guitar. For example, yep. all the, the bending that you cannot do as a piano player, you know, that's also fun. That's liberating. Oh. <laughs> 
when you do that. Mm-hmm. So I, I indulge in that now, right now. That's awesome. I mean, I just played Guitar Hero over the weekend, so I feel like I'm very close <laughs> to your level, probably. <laughs> you should have seen my score, though. Probably not. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, the link to the website is on there, or we'll put it in the notes at heartsneedart.org slash podcast. Thank you so much for jumping on and talking to us. This Well, it's our morning. It's your afternoon. Thank you. Thank you so very much. I want to say I loved sharing my experience, but it's very much not about me. The most important thing that I came here to say was said in the very beginning. That is, music can save your life. And, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. If you turn to music, it's there for you. You don't need to be good. So pick up an instrument and play or sing or listen to music. Everyone except your dad. (laughs) (laughs) Turn to nature sounds. He's the exception to the rule. He sings under the shower. He sings like in a tenor voice. You know? Oh, and then, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man, it's wow. a whole other, too. whole other. Podcast. We should have had a surprise. Here's your dad. <laughs> Make sure you go to heartsinart.org slash podcast to hear all about today's episode and get the links from there. And make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening or watching. We will see you next week, everyone. Keep creating. Thank you. Bye. Thank you Bye. so much. Thank you for listening to Arts for the Health of It, a podcast produced by Hearts Need Art, creative support for patients and caregivers in partnership with the National Organization for Arts and Health. You can help others learn about the healing power of the arts by subscribing, sharing, and reviewing the podcast wherever you listen or watch. The podcast is hosted by Richard Wilmore, co-hosted by Constanza Rader. Our theme song, Songbird, is written and performed by Natalie Lane. Visit heartseedart.org to learn how you can support our mission to create joy with people facing life-altering health challenges. Join us next week to learn more ways you can create art for the health of it. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Heartseed Art, their staff, board members, or other affiliates. All content is created for informational purposes only. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice or to diagnose and treat any health condition. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you heard on this podcast.